Yo, what's good? Welcome to Counter Currents 101. We got 100 in the bank. It's back to fucking basics. I'm your host, Petey Steele. And I'm your co-host, Elena Torres. And on this episode, we have people that are very, very important to us, very special to us. Uh, They are comedy mentors to me, and I think Petey probably feels the same, right? sure. Yep. Right? Please welcome hilarious comedians, Randolph Terrence and Andy Klein. Hello, hello. Thank you for having us. Thanks for coming on. We we wanted to have you guys here to talk a little bit about comedy in the age of COVID, particularly because DC Draft House just had to close its doors. And mm-hmm. I know you guys have been doing the mic at Draft House on Saturday nights. Randolph and Andy have been booking this mic for local comics late night. They used to do it at Arlington for years, and then it switched to DC. And mm-hmm. I started doing it at Arlington, but I feel like where I really sort of like learned comedy was at DC. So how are you guys feeling about all this closure and stuff? Go ahead, Andy. Uh, <laughs> I think you froze a little bit, bro. Yeah. I mean, it's it sucks. I, I, I've, uh, out. Yeah, am I still, can you guys still hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Am I still you're, frozen? You're, you know, you're what? like. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Well, I'm back. Um, there you go. I mean, it's one of those things where it's inevitable that clubs will close down because of COVID, and we all knew that was a possibility. I didn't know how I would feel about it until I, that you know that video that Pete posted, yeah, like that last yeah. like uh, like the end of a sitcom, like the end of Cheers. Remember the end of Cheers? Yeah, yeah I posted. They were like Harlington's uh, green room uh, closed down. I remember. Yeah, and then like they shut the lights off, and then they closed the door, and then like you know, it's like all you needed was some credits to roll. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I because I, I felt like um, I mean I've had you know once you've been doing this a while you've you've had several home clubs shut down mm-hmm. you know or go away so I've had that happen before. Um, it's usually been due to mismanagement or some shit like that though. This is the first time where I've seen it's been like a kind of a no fault of anybody's. Mm-hmm. You know, unless a building yeah, just, is sold off underneath people, which I've seen that once or twice, but. Usually a club closed down. You see the handwriting on the wall. You're like, oh, this shit's going to close. Yeah. Yeah, this was a failure of the executive branch of the government. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, it's – and I wasn't sure because we came over from Arlington. We had the open mic there for nine years. Yeah. And and it was like almost nine years exactly. And so we came over from there, and that was like a home club. You know, that mm-hmm. was like a, a real true home club. Another one that just kind of they shut down the side room. The draft house remained open. It wasn't because of any other reason. They just they didn't want to have the side room anymore. And I wasn't sure if the DC room would become like a home club because it's like, how do you follow what we had in Arlington? And, you know, all these things like the clubs don't necessarily. It's not just about the club itself for the audiences. It has to have other things like, is there a place for the comics to hang out? Is there an accommodating staff that doesn't hate comics. There's no hostility toward comedians, you know, and so, some great clubs won't let you hang out. Some great clubs, the staff hates you because too many comics have hit on the staff, you know, over the years. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of elements that go into it other than just, Oh, it's a nice club. It's a good place to go hang out. And the draft house in DC, once I stopped comparing it to Arlington, I started feeling like it was a home club. 
because it did have, I wasn't sure like, okay, there's a small lobby. Is that going to be a good hangout spot for comics and comics figured it out. They went to the little corridor at the bathrooms and hung out or they crowded in the lobby or went outside or went next door to Maddie's like comics figured out where to have their hangout. The staff was always very good to comics and they never started really getting jaded um, and hostile toward comics, uh, you know, starting with Miranda and the whole staff. So it really did feel, it became my home club, you know? And so it's well, just luckily, like, once again, got to figure luckily, out, you know. Luckily, Miranda came over from Arlington. Yeah. So she was familiar already. Uh, so she was a big, a big um, help as far as keeping everything kind of on an even keel amongst comedians. Mm-hmm. You know, even, even the, all the new cast of comedians that came popping in, she was kind of on an even keel with that because that could have went the other way, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, For I've sure. seen I've seen uh, I've seen staff at clubs who just can't stand comics, and I don't blame them. <laughs> you know, no, it's, you are. Yeah, it's like I get I it. I don't like them. So. You know, and um, and so that it made it welcoming. The draft house is very welcoming, and Saturday nights were something to look forward to. It wasn't just like, oh, it's a good little spot. It became like the hangout spot. It became the spot to see all your friends and see comics grow and all that. It was never exactly the same as Arlington, but you can't really replicate that because that was a completely different environment but um yeah i mean it was a home club for a lot of comics and me included and so it's like oh okay that's gone whenever comedy starts up again i'm gonna have to figure out where my you know the place i never miss every week is gonna be because there's always that place it becomes that maybe after a few months of looking but right now there's no place like that mm-hmm. yeah i feel i don't know I, for me it's my it's my first home club closure yeah so when we first heard about it i was pretty broken up about it and to me the moment that was like the toughest was when you post that last you posted that last list yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and for me that was such a big deal too because i was in the block on that last list yep. and it was something that i worked so hard to get to from the second i started comedy so for those of you guys that don't know that are listening or watching on youtube the block means basically you're in the middle of the show yeah, and which for the open mic is the prime spot. Right. The show. right. And that means, you know, that's where they put the comics that are more seasoned and better. And that's when the audience is warmed up enough to laugh really hard and not too tired by the end. Right. And, you know, there was a lot of nights when I started that I was like 16th and in the end. And so the fact that it closed and I got in the block and you posted that list, I got very emo. Yeah. With that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what's. I, it was kind of fucked up too about that. March that was March seventh. That was like the last Saturday open mic because mm-hmm. March eleventh was when like Tom Hanks got COVID, you know, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and yeah. a couple NBA players, Rudy Gobert got COVID. COVID, and most clubs didn't do shows the following weekend. A couple did, but then the week after that, it was pretty much all shut down. Mm-hmm. The Draft House didn't have a show on the fourteenth, but on the seventh, I remember this distinctly. Um, Martin Phillips was a comic that we were sort of looking at, like we should start giving him some hosting spots, you know, like you know, he would we had never hosted him, but he was going up doing well, getting better every week mm-hmm. and had been for a while. And I pulled him aside on March 7th. I was like, Hey man, you want to host the mic next week? He'd never hosted it before. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, all right, cool. Just get here by whatever time. And you know, blah, blah, blah. Here's the deal. He was all right, cool. And uh, there was never a show there again. So he never got his, <laughs> his hosting spot. Had there been no pandemic, yeah. He would have been working the weekends by now, yeah, right? Yeah, in Arlington yeah. Or, or about to. He would have been. We would have been like, okay, let's start looking at him for like hosting in Arlington or whatever it might be. Yeah. 
So I think about all those opportunities uh, for the last, you know, nine, 10 plus months that people have missed out on and, you know, won't really get back necessarily right away. It's going to take a while to rebuild, to even have those opportunities again. A hundred percent. I remember yeah, talking to, I remember talking with a comic in the, on that night. Um, yeah. Comic <laughs> on that, <laughs> in, out in the lobby. And I remember him saying, Oh, this isn't going to be that bad. This isn't going to, it's not going to be that big a deal. And I was like, Oh, really? Are you an epi, epi, I can never say the word, Andy. Epimediologist. Ep, epidemiologist. Epi, yeah. yeah. I was like, are you an epidemiologist? Really? That, is that what you are? You do that? It's not going to be that bad. You know that? You know that for sure? Yeah. No, I don't. I don't think that's what I heard. I, I don't think. I don't think. Most people, I think, didn't think it would be this. I think people thought, okay, it was going to suck. It's going to be like May or June or July, and you know, we're going to have to put everything on hold and this and that. I don't think anyone on the comedy scene necessarily thought it's going to be late December and we're still going to be, we're going to see clubs closing and yeah. and no end in sight and maybe some end in sight, but not until like July of 2021 possibly you know on the early side of things i remember on the on the march 11th i was at big hunt i went to dc comedy loft for the open mic first then i walked over to big hunt and um that was when like people were the emails were going out like okay guys we're gonna be here's how we're handling covid yeah, yeah. Do, uh, oh, yeah i forgot about that we're gonna be extra sanitary we're gonna wipe out wipe down the room more right uh, right we're gonna be right. extra sanitary right uh, we're gonna make room. sure more Make, <laughs> like yeah. that like that ever was happening at all period. yeah yeah because a lot of those dingy dive bars that's kind of the charm it's kind of the floors are sticky you know which i guess yeah. is probably good because covid would just stick <laughs> but uh <laughs> it was like people were trying to figure out because remember the restrictions at, the, at that point it was like in early mid-march it was like okay no gatherings of over a thousand people and then no gatherings of over 500 people we were still in that couple hundred people range mm -hmm. that week yeah, all really... I went to see Dan Soder at the Improv that weekend, and yeah. I think that we went. Me and a friend of mine went Thursday night, I want to say, and by Friday or Saturday, they just cut the rest of the shows. And they were like, "Yeah, That's it. they have to cut the capacity." But that first, that Wednesday, the eleventh, I went to the Comedy Loft, and I think Caitlin McDevitt was hosting, and. um like, you know, that was the first time Like she brought me on stage. We did the elbow bump. No handshake. That was like the first. Okay. Oh, we're being, we're being, we're being smart. We're being careful. You know, like they probably wiped down these chairs earlier. And then I walked over to Big Hunt and Johnny Black brought me on stage. And just through probably force of habit, he reached out to shake my hand and I shook his hand. And as soon as I got on stage, I was like, wait a minute. I think I made a joke about it into the mic. Like, what am I, we're, I'm spreading a virus now, you know? So we were just beginning to quote unquote take it seriously that week and there were comics in the back of big hunt like uh you know it's not it's not going to be that bad we've all been exposed to it already right. probably it's shit's already been in the country for a couple months yeah. which is actually you know, was probably what's true funny is that everybody saw it and still do everybody's like oh, oh i had it like, no you didn't yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everybody was saying that oh yeah i mean i had it. i was sick a couple weeks ago i'm sure i had it no you didn't <laughs> yeah no, no you didn't my wife got really sick in january and the thing is, no one else at her work got sick. I didn't get sick. And she got a flu test and tested negative, but it was flu-like. But I'm like, I look, I can be like, oh, she probably had it. But I'm like, well, none of us got, no one else got it. Like, right. we went to Vegas like four days later, three days later. <laughs> like, I didn't catch it. So Dominic is like, yeah, my whole family was sick in December. I'm like, 
right? Like, okay, that's what I'm saying. Everybody's like, we got. Listen, if if the draft house had stayed open for like maybe two more weeks, it would have been a super spreader event. It's no question in my mind. The draft yeah. house would have been Probably. a super spreader event. That fucking lobby. Yeah, it's so small. Yeah. Everybody all we definitely would all had it then. We definitely would yeah. all had it. You know, because that was the thing with comedy. It's like everything that makes comedy great makes viruses great. And viruses win. They they win. Yeah. We're not a, it's yeah, a novel right. virus. We're all susceptible. So right, yeah. right. I was thinking about that today. I'm like, this this thing is it's uh it, it reminds me of uh my man in Predator, uh Billy. He said there's something out there hunting us and it ain't no man. <laughs> 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 you, know, you know the next line is fucked up, so I don't want to say the line, but if yeah. you've seen Predator, you know what the next line is behind that. Is it's it a woman? Hunting us and there ain't no man, you know. <laughs> no, that ain't the next line. Oh. <laughs> Look it up on YouTube. It's, yeah. But I mean that, that week was like we were all just beginning to understand being careful. Jack Coleman texted me, I think, that Thursday, um, the like the twelfth, and he was like, Are you guys doing shows this weekend? And we he was like deciding, should we sh everyone was deciding, like, should we do shows this weekend? Should we not? Should we do something different at our shows? We and were quick, you and I. We were like, no. <laughs> we said no. I think um, no. I think Big Hunt canceled because Big Hunt had put out those emails mm -hmm. like, okay, we're gonna wipe down the room and all that, and then like the Tom next Hanks, day. Yeah, it's like Wednesday night. Yeah. Tom, I, I was at Big Hunt. I'm looking at my phone. Hey, Tom Hanks got COVID. So does his wife, uh, Rita Wilson, and then Rudy Gobert got COVID. And then I think the next day, Big Hunt put out the email. Hey, we're just gonna shut it down for a couple weeks. You know, everybody was like, a couple weeks. Improv stayed open that weekend, and then they were done. Draft house closed that weekend, both draft houses. And it was just the beginning. Like we didn't, there was no finality. There was no like, this could be our last show for a while that last mm -hmm. night at the draft house. And so that list just kind of became like when we did, when we left Arlington, it was a whole thing. It was fanfare. We had the final right. list and all these people, people came back from New York to do the show one last yeah. time. And um, I remember that it was like a big deal. And then this one, it was just like, just another Saturday, which actually I think makes that list more uh, kind of interesting to look at because just another Saturday was still like this really strong show. You know, the most part of that list for me was looking at it and not seeing my name on it because I looked at it as just another Saturday. If you had told me, you know, like, hey, this is going to yeah. be the inverse 9-11 where if you like don't go to work, you can live that day or whatever. I'd have been her hero this time and shown yeah. up. <laughs> you know, it's I, funny. I, it's funny. I looked at the list and I thought about that. I looked at who wasn't on the list of of normals. Like, I don't think was Tim on the list. No, no but Tim know? didn't come out that much the, the, yeah, lately. You know, it kind of stopped coming. But I was like, I don't, I don't see Petey here. I don't recall if Johnny Black was on it. Like, no, people who would be like the meat of our block. And I was like, but Elliot Chang was there. People were off the... doing other sets, and it was just another Saturday night. If I can, mm -hmm. if I can swing by, I'll swing by. Maybe Ellie I Chang got a little was on sexy the, um... on standby, and I'm not going to go out tonight. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll go. Elliot back Chang was on the main the main show. He was headlining right. the, and he was he stuck around. We were, I remember it's like, hey, you want to do a longer set? And he was like, I no, I'm just sitting do... there talking with him. I was I five. Saying, we were sitting there talking. And he was like, no, I just want to do a little, a little bit. You know, it's no big deal. And, and it was um, a full house. I seem to remember it was a full house crowd. That dude John Lewis, um, you know, that lanky dude, uh, kind of new yeah. comic. He uh, when I posted that list, he uh, he joked on the, he put a comment said yeah. I was bumped, <laughs> and yeah. so and I, I almost I almost commented, well, 
tell me who you're better than and you can have their yeah. spot. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, I saved that list too. I saved the list of who signed up. So I, I have it in front of me. There was 40 people signed up that night and he was bumped. So I, I we DM'd. I sent them. I was like, actually, you were bumped. <laughs> so look, there's your name right there. Because yeah, um, I was like, I was almost, I almost, because that was always my challenge. Okay, yeah. man, you think you can have a spot? That's fine. Just pick out who you're funnier than, and then you go tell them that, that you're funny, that you're taking their spot. That's fine with me. <laughs> you yeah, I mean, some spot, people got bumped go that we them. normally put on, like Jelani got bumped that night. Um, right, for Bill whatever Crowley reason. got bumped. Val got bumped. Um, you know, there were some good comics there, but also Tommy Taylor popped in, who wasn't there that often. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Elliot Chang. Speaking so of, it's speaking of Val, I reached out to her, see how she's doing. Oh she's yeah, she had it. Hunting oh, on. She she's did? got it. She's got it. Oh wow. And she's in the middle of dealing with it. Is she okay? Splitting headache, taste fading in and out, you know, but she says she's on the mend and she's feeling better. Yeah. She's, she's able to rest. Now she hadn't been able to sleep. Oh, you know, because of the pain. Wow. You know, yeah. Yeah, she because she, she works feeling, at she a bar. She was feeling guilty, you know. She was like, tried to do everything. I was like, "Hey, it's hunting us. It's you, you, you know. <laughs> it's, it's hunting us, <laughs> and it's not a man. <laughs> That's it. And yeah. of it's on the hunt. <laughs> you did your. You knew you were doing your part, you know. Yeah. So it got past. It got past you. That's. I don't know what to tell you. You know. All you can do is minimize your chances you can't eliminate your chances unless you literally just are a shut-in for the foreseeable future but if you have yeah. to go out and do anything there's obviously right. a slim chance you'll catch it i got a haircut the other day and um i've gotten i'm i'm waiting a, i'm waiting like normally once a month is my haircut sort of schedule if i want to keep it relatively normal length sometimes i'll wait six weeks i've been waiting like two and a half months since in, in the whole it's just like all right let me just wait longer minimize my exposure to people right and uh i got a haircut sunday and that was the mistake because um normally i get it like three o'clock on a weekday there's nobody in there you know this time i did it like 2 30 on a sunday i walk in all these people in there getting there waiting mm. to get their haircut um you didn't leave well i was my guy i had a 230 point my guy was finishing up with his the the previous person and they were like right. yeah he's almost done i was like all right i went and stood outside Right, and then when he was done, I came in and and he cut my hair. And at that point, some of the people who were people were waiting for someone they had kind of cleared out too. So, but I was like, oh, it's a Sunday afternoon. That's why. Like, I should I should be more careful. I should three o'clock on a Monday is when you go get a haircut because there's right. nobody in there. Right. Um, Elena, I don't know how you're doing it, but my wife's hairdresser he he set his stuff up and his he left his salon the one he was at set him uh, set him up a place in his garage. You set it up in his garage mm. and you go in there one at a time, you know. And when the weather was nice, he was out on the back patio cutting people's hair. But he's got the whole shit set up in his garage, you know. Yeah, I was talking to I so my guy's in New York. So I didn't get my hair done for a long time. And he was gonna do house calls and I was like trying to set it up where I like went to a friend's and then he came to my house, he came to the house and whatever. And he freaked out because he thought house calls were even scarier they than are. doing it at the salon. Yeah. I don't want nobody in my house. No one's and been so, in my house. And so it. he he stayed in the salon and I went and it's like really, really social distance. I mean, they mm-hmm. can only operate at like 25% capacity. So you're really far. And it's been pretty, I mean, and I, I've gone only, I've gone twice now since COVID happened. 
and it's been on weekdays and there's like nobody in there. Right, Here's where right. I messed up. And if I start coughing in two days, you'll know why. Um, my guy was okay. Last time I got my hair cut, the guy was like, Hey, we're doing partial beard trims now. Oh, I was like, what does that mean? He goes, hold the mask over your nose and mouth and I'll trim around like just the bottom part and all that. And so I was like, all right. And so I tried it. It wasn't really, it didn't do anything. I was like, I could have done that. So this time I didn't ask for a partial beard trim, mm -hmm. but the guy he was cutting before me, like when I walked in, he was kind of working on that guy's beard. And then, um, I went outside. Then when I came back in, he was wrapping up with that guy and that guy stands up. He's not wearing a mask. I'm like, wait a minute. It's a full beard trim, like what you know. So, but at that point, and this is the mistake I made, I said, "Ah, fuck it." So I went and got my hair cut by the guy. Um, mm -hmm. Fuck it gets you in trouble sometimes. It's also good. Fuck it can be yeah. good. That's how a lot of us start comedy. Okay. <laughs> I yeah. think fuck it. This was a negative fuck it, and I was like, "All right, right. fuck it." And um, I've been in the barber because I only get my beard done, and I've yeah. There's no way when he did when he did fuck? mine with the with the holding the mask up. It was very yeah. awkward. He was like trying to contort around my hands. I was like, this is not, it wasn't right. very even the, he trimmed like the, you know, the, the line on the bottom. I was like, it's, I can do that. Yeah. It's not worth it. Yeah. And I yeah. really like getting my, my beard done you know, by barber. And, Me uh, too. And, Such a uh, treat. Like, the straight razor. Right. I haven't been since March because he does, he does the edge with the razor and then I haven't been since March. Yeah. I'm trying to do it myself and I'm like, I don't trust my hands. Like I'm gonna fuck this up. My brother fucked his up. He had to shave everything off. I'm like I'm gonna fuck this up. You gotta do the uh, it watching like a hundred YouTube tutorials. Like I just do hey my guys. lip. I just do my lip and right here. And then I fucked around and I looked at some some clippers online. So now I get I got clippers trailing me around the internet. You I know, bought like we all yeah. we all have shit now that's just trailing us around the internet because you got nothing to do but just look at stuff on your phone. I'm like, oh, yeah. what, what's a G4 cost? And then I got jets. They're trying to sell me jets all the time. I'm like, I'm not buying a jet. I'm just looking. <laughs> we heard you like jets. Yeah, oh, here's one. I'm just curious. <laughs> just curious. <laughs> yeah, Josh bought uh, the Clippers, and he's done his hair himself several times through COVID, and it's been really hit or miss. Yeah. Like, sometimes he's he's done it where I'm like, wow, why do you even go to a barber? You did a great job because he just has a really simple like buzz cut all the way yeah. around. Yeah. Like, why do you go to a barber? This is great. And then there was another time where he had to go to the barber to fix the crazy <laughs> shit that he did. I <laughs> messed Josh's up. Josh's got a pretty good shaped head and his head isn't too big or too small. So he should just put the put the guard on on one and just go around and just be done with it. It, he, it was really one of the times because I guess on the side, it's a different it's he, he puts a different one yeah. than on the top. To fancy. Yeah, okay, you gotta like you gotta fancy. fade it. Yeah, yeah. He did he did that thing and it was like it was really bad. It was really You know what's all also the tough part is like that neck area in the back. Oh, I do that. That's, yeah, it's hard uh, because you can't see it. You gotta have like yeah. a mirror and all that stuff. And that's why you just need a razor yeah. in the shower. Just whoop, 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 whoop. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I did. That's how Marcellus Wallace was born. People yep. ask what band-aid was about was that his soul or whatever and phil lamar was like man Vin cut his neck shaving it was just a cut it was just a shaving thing i've done it a million times <laughs> you get in a rush like oh shit <laughs> oh shit i think for me back to this closing of the draft house because we had already been through it in um in arlington and uh to even to even go back i've you know, Andy and I built a lot 
we built a lot of uh, we built the framework of a comedy scene in Arlington. I don't think it's hyperbolic for us to say that, you know. So knowing that and um, building that up, the closing of Arlington was like a was like a dagger. And then when they came to us, uh, did he freeze? Yeah, he froze. All right. See, I never know with Zoom. Sometimes, like you yeah. think. You think everyone else froze and it's actually you? Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. Man, he was making deep statements too. I know. I know. It looks I like that. Yeah. So. Oh, oh, now you're back. You oh, froze. Yeah, oh, did I froze. freeze that time? Right yeah. on the you right on come the... back, right when you're like, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> because when uh am I plugged in? Yeah. When DC when DC fell. It was just anticlimactic for me. You know, yeah. It was just anti because we had already been through it all in Arlington. True. Like I said, we had built. Did you guys hear the thing where I said about the framework of, of comedy? Yeah. 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 That was right around after that's yeah. when it yeah, froze. Yeah. We had already kind of built a, built a framework. Like I said, I don't think it's hyperbolic for me to say that, that we had, we had built a, a strong framework, and at least an underlying framework of comedy in this area. So when that went, that was, that was like the, uh, the little pig whose house was made out of bricks getting knocked down with a wrecking ball. That's what that felt like. Right. This in Arlington just felt like a house, not a straw, a house of sticks at this point, just good sticks. Mm -hmm. But you know, a hurricane came and blew it down. That's how it felt this one, you know, but before in Arlington it was like, nothing's ever going to happen in Arlington. Shit. Wrecking ball. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Wrecking ball, you know. And, and basically it's the, it's it was March of 08 that we started the Arlington open mic. And basically the first Saturday in March of 2017 was the DC open mic. And the first Saturday in March of 2020 was the final DC open mic. For whatever reason, the beginning of March uh, is beginning and ending time. It's like mm -hmm. spring, it's like renewal, you know. Like a renewal. <laughs> die. Comes in like grow. a lion. Comes in like a lion. <laughs> I just I just wish I remembered that last Saturday better. I don't, I was also, I just had a baby and Randolph, you know what this is like. I mean, those first few months, I, tired. I don't really remember much. Yeah, like, Everything's just kind of hazy. Cause I was like tired and my hormones were insane. So like, I wish I remembered the end mm -hmm. a little bit better. Like I couldn't tell you anything that happened that night. I couldn't tell mm -hmm. you what my set was like. I don't like, I don't know. Yeah, it was just a routine night. Uh, yeah. I took a few pictures. Every now and then I would just like just fuck with the settings on my phone camera. I took a couple pictures of Benji on stage and one of Martin, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it wasn't like like in Arlington. It was like paparazzi. Everybody was taking pictures and, right. you know, it was making a big deal out of it. And this was just like, OK, see you guys next week, you know, or maybe in a month. Well, we'll see. You know, see you guys yeah, soon. Arlington, Arlington was like an event, at least. It seemed like that for the crowd. Um, I think I was telling Andy, it was like draft house became in Arlington or in DC became more like just a, this is just a business now, it's just more business mm -hmm. as opposed to in Arlington. It was really like more of a uh, the home club feel when we got mm -hmm. to DC. For me, it felt way more like a business. I mean, it was fine, and you know, I've been in the game long enough to to maneuver around the business of comedy and stuff like that mm -hmm. but it never felt like the like the home base of arlington 
Mm-hmm. At least for me, it never, it, it never really did. Not say I didn't have uh, good times there in D.C. Of course I did, but it just never really compared to Arlington. And Arlington closing was a more way more crushing for me. Mm-hmm. You know. Plus, we kind of already knew it was coming, by the way, because we had already heard about it before. In D.C., yeah, we knew a little before bit before, yeah, before yeah. it went public. Um, it kind of went public in a weird way, too, because there was like a there's like a Twitter feed that follows the bar scene in DC that tweeted right. a couple weeks early and people don't really pick yeah. up on it. Um, I saw that tweet because someone was like, there was a quote tweet and I saw it. And then there was that tweet that or not tweeted article that came out that I think it was Popville that just showed the auction. Yeah. The draft house auction. It was, and it, that's when people found out it was closed and, I think even by the time I clicked on the link, the auction was over. It was just, it had ended. And it was like, um, you know, just like chairs and tables and coolers. But I was like, man, I wonder if there was anything we could have, like a sign out front, I'm, I'm assuming they kept. But I was wondering if there's anything that, in retrospect, we could have asked for knowing that it was about, to, knowing that it was done before right. everybody else. Just like in I Arlington. Everything um, I wanted from, from DC. There were things I wanted from Arlington. There was nothing I wanted from DC. In Arlington, people, thought about taking the stage itself because it was like a little is like a two-piece ramin built it for that room it was like a two-piece stage and i don't think anyone took it but on that last night people were like yeah ramin used to do set design i think so he knows his way around that stuff so mm-hmm. i think people thought about that you know like oh you know let's uh let's take the stage or maybe i'll take half and you take half and you know no one i don't think anyone ever took it or took really anything from arlington but it was at least a finality where it was like, oh, it's closing. In fact, the it's going to become a taco restaurant <laughs> in a couple yeah. weeks. So all this stuff must go. So DC, it was just like, you know, yeah, whatever. You know, we'll come back. We'll see it again. And so that's why it did hit me. I, I didn't necessarily. I felt more at home there the last year or so. You know, it takes a couple of years to kind of build that up. <laughs> I definitely funny. felt. It's funny you should say that. That was that. That last year was dark for me. Yeah. And that last year was when I was like, I don't, you know, that was yeah. a, that was a, a far darker. T- I never had any dark moments in Arlington. Not, not one in Arlington. I never had any dark moments in Arlington. And there was times like Peter was I was going to drop this dude. Remember that time that guy was one of the. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The guy swung at and you. And then he, he changed his mind right before he touched my chest. Because yep. Peter was looking at the side of my head. Oh, like, yeah. Wait, what oh. happened? This guy went up on stage and he was just not good. He was real arrogant. It's like him and his friend came in from Jersey and we put the friend on first. And then this guy came in and then he went up and he was real bad. And I was like, you dude, you got to get off stage, man. He went way over the time. Like right. was somewhat, his buddy was filming it. And then later they put it up on Instagram like the next right. day, yeah. which was definitely not yeah. allowed. And yeah. Um, um, right. but yeah, I was like, I don't know what you're doing, but you need to not, you can't just come in here thinking you're just going to do this. We have, we have protocols that we follow. And then he started to like, do like this. Listen, when I want to do, and Petey looked at me like, the fuck? I was like, if fucking puts his finger in my, I'm going to yoke him up and take him out, take him through these doors. We were standing by the doors. <laughs> Like, you about to get snatched through these doors, man. <laughs> What's wrong with you, dog? <laughs> What's wrong with you, dog? Did you come down and, from Jersey for this? And you bombed. And 
And you bombed. Like, yeah. And you bombed. And you bombed. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that last year at the draft house, because there were some, you know, uh, dark times, let's say, with yeah. just some of the people on the scene. Yeah, that's and second, I think that um that um when we got to it was that you said the last year was when you were settling in. That last year for me was was not. Well, I think I think for me it was almost a defiant thing. Like I really was. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see that there were sort of, there were people who were trying to lay claim to a position in the scene or a position in that club that I don't think they deserved or or should have had. And so almost like defiantly, I was like, "No, nah, fuck that. This is my home." Yep. This is our home. We built this. Uh, we've been building the draft house for a decade plus now. And ground up. And like it's this is uh this is our spot, you know. So it was kind of like that mentality that really put that in my head is like this is my home club. You know, and by the way, we created op- we created opportunities for um so many people. Yeah. Right. Directly, either directly or tangentially. We created opportunities for people. And that's all we ever wanted to do was create opportunities for, for people. You know, we've had people yeah. go on to become writers on major, on major shows because they asked us to put them with somebody to create an opportunity for them. We've had people go on to tour with comics across the country because they asked us to, to put, we asked us, hey, could you put, yeah, sure, we'll put you with such and such, such a person and we'll see what you can do with them, you know. We created opportunities for people. We put people in positions to succeed, you know, as and over the over how many plus years we've that we've done this, you know. So it's interesting for me, Andy and I had a lot of conversations. Andy and I had a lot of conversations off uh, amongst ourselves about about just that, about when watching people talk about um, the closing of the draft house and what it meant and. Uh, those conversations are for us, but let's just say they, they, uh, the conversations we were having were a little, <laughs> a little more intense. Yeah. <laughs> and then I were having, more <laughs> let's just say it like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the way it goes. And it's a weird thing too, because I mean, like we've had nine or 10 months now of no comedy scene, mm-hmm. which means no scene politics, no people stepping on toes, no hurt feelings, no, backstabbing none of that stuff that goes on so it does everything's kind of rosy you know but there were definitely times when we were like we are pushing extra hard to make sure this works and it happened a lot in arlington too it was like you know you guys are being assholes like no it's quality control you guys the show has to be good otherwise we can't be here anymore well this shit doesn't it just it doesn't work it doesn't work you know and there's a lot of um more weak links there were more weak links in dc than we than we would have liked yeah say it like that then we then we would have liked you know no question but i mean like i said it became way more of a business than it did of a home base you know at least for me it mm-hmm. became more of a business and when you become more business and you open up to more of those weak links and um yeah that kind of pissed me off <laughs> that used to piss me <laughs> off but i was like i don't really have any i don't really have any control over that aspect of it but i defy anybody anyone to tell us that um i tell us our tell us that our system didn't work you 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 make me believe that our system didn't work you you make me believe that the, the moves that we made didn't work make me believe that just make me believe that do you do your best to make me believe that the moves we made the moves we made for for 
that comedy room and this comedy scene. You make me believe that they didn't work. Go ahead. Make me believe right. that they didn't work. Oh, yeah. It's the biggest it's the biggest opportunity, I think. If you're a comedian working from D.C., I think, and I've thought this for a long time, it's the best opportunities in the city you can have as a comic to move up. Like what you're talking about, all this stuff you're created, like what people might not know is like, okay, you do, you start off, you do the mic on Saturdays, you guys watch us, mm-hmm. you know, as we develop on that mic. And when we're ready, you're like, you can host a weekend and host a weekend means you're opening for a headlining comic who's usually here from New York or LA or whatever. And even before comedy, that, even before that, we let you host the uh, open mic. Oh, right, right. And, you and we paid you. <laughs> we right. paid you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, paid opportunities, hosting the open mic, and then you host for a headlining comic. And what I, one of the things I love about comedy that's really different than acting is that opportunities come from comedian to comedian. You don't have to go through all these like middlemen of agents, producers, and all these. Like if a comedian vouches for you and says and puts you on their show, whether it be on TV or a tour or any of the stuff that you're talking about, like you get that opportunity. And I always knew that Draft House, I, I picked up pretty quickly. I was like, oh, hey, if I work really hard here, I can get exposure to stuff that's very, I mean, that could that could be career changing. And I feel like a lot of people in DC took that for granted. Which well, I'm, yeah, and I, I, it's, <laughs> it's funny because the, the all this time that we've run this mic, like I've been in the DC comedy scene for years and it used to be obviously pretty desolate you know it grew and grew and grew we had this boom and then it kept booming you know for years and i remember many times saying to people like i just can't boom forever you know at some point it might bust i never thought a pandemic would shut things down but i always reminded people young comics like you guys have you don't really you don't realize how many good spots you have in this scene you don't realize how good you have it um and not i mean many of them are appreciative of the DC comedy scene. I don't want to act like, you know, they're just petulant young comics, but mm-hmm. it is, uh, it was something that was, you know, un- unreasonably good for a new comic to step into. It's an embarrassment of riches to walk into the DC scene prior to March, 2020. Mm-hmm. And there's so many good crowds, enthusiastic crowds, rooms with full crowds and opportunities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes the booms that, 80s comedy boom ended and these little booms end just because they fizzle and the interest goes away this was different it's like a balloon popping it's just like oh it's just over you know right. we don't know and i'm wondering about you know other clubs not just in dc or other rooms but around the country where you know these exactly. scenes that people had built for a decade plus to get to this point now maybe you know three years away from being back at that point you know or more yeah. maybe it won't mm-hmm. quite get back to that point DC, we've had the draft house closed so far. No other clubs have closed, but some of the hot bar shows probably won't come back. You know, like, I don't know if they would. Yeah, like, I don't know what's going on with uh, underground. I'll say this, Sean, Sean was, um, uh, the early shows in Arlington. He was a big part of those. He was there yeah. every Saturday night. And he was, he was hosting a lot. He was hosting for us a lot. And then he, he started his own thing in DC, you know, mm-hmm. so tangentially, you know, I don't yeah. think credit is I don't think credit is the right opportunity, but the but he butted out of out of the Arlington system. He butted out of the draft house mm-hmm. and went on to do his own thing. And to do it well, by the way. I'm not even into, yeah. into doing well, it. Well that's and and Sean was 
by the end of Draft House was producing half of the weekend yeah. shows there. Right, right, right. Every other week That's was an right. underground comedy produced show in the main room is when he would have mm -hmm. a name big enough, too big for a big hunt, basically. They'd be packing the room. I mean, many times that last year, year and a half, we would walk in for the open mic and there would be a packed crowd leaving because it was something that Sean put together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, again, that's going to be, everything's going to look different for a while and it might be drastically different. Hopefully it won't be too different, but think about all the comics who would have normally started comedy this year. Yeah. yeah. And now like there's going to be this glut of, there's going to be two generations of first timers, you know, when, <laughs> when things start again. And <laughs> or people that started comedy in 2019. Right. Yeah. Stink. I was going to make a joke like uh, like around <laughs> September, like, hey, uh, shout out to everybody who's uh, six months into comedy now. <laughs> you know, it started yeah. in March. <laughs> yeah, you probably got 100 sets in now. Good for you. <laughs> but yeah, like there's there's all these people that are just on hold and people in their formative comedy years that are, that are on hold. And like, the, when you're, like that three, four year period where you're really kind of figuring out who you are as a comic. you got like a feature set. Now you're starting to stretch out a bit and yeah, then you got to like stop. There's all this momentum you've built and now you got to stop everybody. Yeah. That's my thing about the pandemic. Everybody is sacrificing something. Everybody's going to lose something, whether it's also the, a job also or money or opportunities. And there's just no end. Uh, it's an endless list of people who have lost something, not just comedians, but the staff at all the bars, all the clubs and all these things that are closing down who've lost something. And it's like, it's going to sure. be the, I don't know what it's going to look like when things come back, you know? Also yeah. the veterans who are going to have to, um, when you fully re, re, uh, and get back onto, onto the stage, uh, uh, Roy Wood has a great internet, like what we're doing. He has a great podcast. He does where he talks to comedians, mainly black. And uh, <laughs> they talk about jokes. And I was just listening to him before this. I was just listening to him talk to some more. And they were talking about that, like, what what do you do with jokes? He said, any joke that you wrote before Kobe's death, that joke is gone. You can't, you yeah. can't do that joke now. He's like, that joke is gone. So when you get back on that stage, what you you going to try and do your do your old act? I mean, that them shits are gone, man. Three hundred thousand people dead. Uh, over a million sick, world sick, and then you up here doing that same bullshit. That ain't gonna work. Dating is weird. Gonna work. Well, I Anger. think there, there are. Yeah, I mean, there yeah. people can make because I think there are gonna be some crowds who are like ready for like some examination of the real shit that's going on in the world, right. and there are gonna be some crowds that are wanting to escape. And be like, let's just talk about dating, you know? Because well, Roy, Roy is a guy who 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 embraces the moment, yeah. You know, with his with his comedy, you know, and his stories and stuff like. And he's a storyteller who embraces the moment, so he's gonna embrace the moment, you right? Know? So yeah. more is somebody whose act is my act is for the ladies, and fellas, if you don't like it, I don't care. My act is for the ladies, so I would expect her to give you the import of what this means for the ladies. That's some more is that. Which is why she's successful. You get women on your side. <laughs> you win. You're winning. You're, right. not, you're never going to not have them on your side. And her act is cool. And she's funny. I often tell that story where I, I did the, uh, I did the lounge at the draft house. I did like 30 in the lounge at the, at the improv. I did 30 in the lounge. 
in the lounge. And I was like, oh, this is great. And I did well. And I did fine. And blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, let me go in here and see what some more is doing on this stage. And when I tell you she was killing, <laughs> killing, I just stood back in the back like, I wasn't doing a damn thing. <laughs> let me just get the fuck out of here and go right. Um <laughs> I could go home and write, write these jokes, work on these jokes. <laughs> That's killing. I don't know what the fuck I thought I was doing in the last lounge. In there just crushing, you know. Right. So I would be interested in seeing somebody like that, you know, somebody like Cedric. Cedric has kind of said the same thing. It's like, well, you know, he's another guy who's kind of an in-the-moment person. But there's stuff, there is obviously there's stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, even I mean, it's a well-worn topic where even dating during a pandemic, I would like right. to hear right. how that Who's goes dated? for people. How did you do it? Yeah. What was right. it like? I got bits about that. I'm killing it with that shit. Yeah. yeah. What was it like? What did what what did you go through? How did you feel? You know, I want to hear all that. Yeah. It's last Sunday, simple. last Sunday I did a show in Arlington. There were four people in the crowd. And yeah, uh, one of the four was a date. They were on their fourth date. So they <laughs> were a pandemic couple and the crowd work was amazing. And I was yeah, like, yeah. what a great gift. Yeah. These pandemic yeah. couples that I can make fun of. Yeah. I, was, I mean, I, just I, a, I, didn't, I didn't even think of that. I was like, oh my God, this is just, this is just like a gift wrap for comedians. Yeah. I, just the curiosity alone of like how logistically right. that even happens. You know, but I guess if you are a new couple and you want to go out, where do you go? You're like, oh, there's a four o'clock comedy show at the. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. I guess I'll go to that with my mask. Four o'clock Christmas show. Yeah. And I just asked them questions the whole time. And it was, I mean, it was great. I was like, oh my God, more of these. I guess what's, uh, if you're a new couple, you're just taking a lot of walks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's it. That's a good date, though. That's, that's though. I mean, we 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 kind of, I think we poo-poo stuff like that, you know, walking and stuff like that. But those are those are good dates. Yeah. <laughs> oh, walking are great dates. That's how, I mean, my husband is very ADD. And when I need to have a conversation with him, we go on a walk because he's always best in movement. Yeah. No? Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Occupy your mind. Yeah. Yeah. It just, I always, get a he's always more clear if he's moving. I really need Occupy to talk to him about something. I guess that's yeah. the question for couples these days. Like, how long have you guys been dating? Well, we've been on 12 walks. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> okay, well, serious. About, you get, how long? Yeah. You, two miles. You guys are getting real serious. Yeah. Have you met the parents yet? Have you zoomed with the parents? Yeah. <laughs> two I miles. don't know. I mean, I remember the first walk date I took in COVID. We walked for like, two hours didn't touch and talk very little it was like being married for 30 years <laughs> hey slow down now uh, uh peter do you know this girl named sophie chang no color girl this woman she was a wu-tang's manager for years uh she wrote this bit this book called the baddest bitch in the room okay yeah and I she like, like she got in them she got in the hip-hop game on like the production side and then became the Wu-Tang's manager early on and then managed like all the individual careers. Mm. Right? So I Sick. follow her on, uh, I heard her on Jamel Hill's podcast talking about her book and then I started following her on Instagram. So she has a whole thing that she does on Instagram, COVID Dick Diaries. <laughs> <laughs> and she talks about, she talks about, you know, 
the rules that she employs as far as bringing a dude around, bringing a guy to her home. Now, she's a grown woman. She's my age. And um, it's, it's, it's like some wild shit, man. She talks in bed like, you know, you got to make you make him get a COVID test. You got to get a COVID test. You know, you come over, uh, no kissing, you know. My God. Yeah. Nature like, finds a way, you know. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, she's like, I'm a very sexual person. And she went for a long time. She was like, this had to happen, you know. And she'll record them like laying in bed naked. She's like, all right, COVID dick diaries, here we go. And then she'll talk about it. It's some hot shit. It's, it's funny, you know. Yeah, Sophie Chang. Look her up. Look her up, Petey. I'm on. There's a lot of hip hop. Hip hop. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like we can't judge. We can't judge. Like, it's been nine or 10 months. Like, people got to date a little. Like, you got to, like, you know, you can't, you can't judge. People, people got to get laid. I mean, right? Like, yeah. Well, you know, like, uh, you know, the what the Black Plague was like seven years or whatever. Like at some point, they're just like, we're just this is how we live now. Children were yeah. still being born. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they had to replace a lot. They, they had to replace a lot of dead people. So yeah. Still being born. <laughs> it was like half the world's population is went away. How did you guys feel as far as like uh, what were you guys gonna do show wise with the with uh, DC going down and how did it make you guys feel? How did you feel hearing everybody talk about it on the scene? How did you feel with that? Because um, again, you guys are connected to the room also. Yeah. Because you, you did the podcast for the room. So you had a connection to the room. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You I didn't, didn't want to take it. Yeah. I mean, I didn't realize, I didn't really even realize like how much of a home club it was until we heard the news. I mean, it had a feeling like when, you know, and we found out like you guys, we found out a little earlier than when it went mm-hmm, public, mm-hmm. but when it went public is when it emotionally hit me. Cause especially for me, I mean, I'm in sort of that, all those, that formative time as a comic that Andy, you were talking about, like that really yeah. for me happened Yeah. there. And I didn't really put it together until Petey posted something like that post that you put Petey that had the pictures and like the one, the one that you posted in the, in the green room, with just our podcast equipment. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, that's been, that's been such a huge part of my life and my growth as a comic yeah. mm-hmm. during all this. And I was really sad because it was like, I don't know, because it's it just led to all this uncertainty that I think all of us are struggling with, which is like, I don't know what's going to happen to comedy. And when am I going to be able to do comedy again? And what year is this going to take me back to skill-wise? Yeah, so that's what I'm, that's what I'm worried about. Also, you know, just looking at all of it is like I developed so much skill there, and like, what is this now going to take me back to like year one or two? Like, what? I was talking to someone about that. It's kind of like you know, on like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, where you miss a question and you go down to thirty thousand, you don't go down to zero. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. It's like a it's like a point where you go back to, but you're not a new comic either, you know, right. and and getting it back that sort of rust shaking that rust off doesn't take as long as I think people think it takes. Um, the momentum of, of writing is different because your life will be completely different. You yeah. know, like having a, having a baby and having a, at that point, maybe a, a toddler running around and all that. It'll you, the reference points of what you even want to talk about are different. And sometimes that you might just inadvertently get better as a comic, just because you have a whole different worldview. I mean, I, I'd stopped comedy. I started when I was 19. I did it a couple years. 
kind of stopped, kind of the scene faded. This was like, you know, the several clubs closed. And mm-hmm. when I got back into it, after like a couple of years of not really doing it, maybe barely occasionally popping up and doing a set, but not really, I was just a better comic just because. Mm-hmm. And I had a different worldview. I had grown up a bit. I was 23 instead of 19. I had sort of um, figured out who I was and how I looked at the world. And even though I hadn't really done comedy, I was immediately better at comedy Mm -hmm. because I was just a, as a person, I just had a better outlook on the world. And then what happens is you don't have the stage fright, the nervousness, nothing throws you off like a brand new comic, you know? And so you're like, okay, I'm starting over, but I'm not starting. I'm actually more comfortable. You know, because I, I know I can kill. I know I've bombed. That's all out of my system. And I can just go up and explore. And I'm a, I'm a different person now. And suddenly I'm thinking of shit that I would have never thought of before. Right. So that's how I feel like you go back. You don't go back to zero. You go back to a certain point, And then it'll kind of not necessarily reinvent. You won't reinvent yourself, but you'll find that you've grown as a comic because you've grown as a person. Right. You know, even though it's not comic comedy have these touchstones you're like i have five minutes now i have 10 minutes now i have 25 minutes now and in life you don't have that you just realize i have looking no back, minutes now yeah now i come back to <laughs> yeah. zero minutes because i don't want to <laughs> yeah. do the act <laughs> yeah no minutes but in life no. you don't have those touchstone moments where you're like i have grown as a person i i am smarter now you know whatever until you start writing jokes again because i don't people say they're writing jokes now i don't know if those I, you gotta be doing I shows sincere, i sincerely doubt that yeah and I so, yeah, I, okay, I'm not the only one. I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm, I, don't, I, I don't have much because I can't practice. The couple yeah, times I've done up. shows in the pandemic, immediately when I book the show, my the comedy light bulb turns right back on. And right. I'm like thinking, thinking, thinking. I'm always, what am I going to say? What am I going to open with? What's going on in the world? So I know that'll turn back on whenever I, whenever I need it to. Right. Um, I'm not always on. I'm always off and something has to turn me on which I think is probably the case when you, once you get to a certain age in comedy, that's probably the case, but yeah, you'll notice you'll be a different person and thus a different comic, but right. most likely better, even though you haven't done comedy that much, that, that does happen. I mean, premises, yeah. are, premises are still coming, but, but jokes. No. no, Yeah. Why would they? Yeah. I feel like the timing, I'm like, I used to, you know, I feel like right, especially like at the end, I couldn't believe it. Like I've looked at tapes, like at the end of my pregnancy, like I really got the timing down of when you needed them to laugh. Like just, in, and that you only get from being on stage. Like no matter yeah. what your joke premise mm-hmm. is or when your punchline comes, it's like, I need them to laugh here. So I'm going to put a line in here in this part of the story. Yeah. yeah. And I don't really know what that is anymore. Who nobody you know what I mean, that you is write these things and you go up and you try them on stage and what do you know your punch gets nothing and your setup gets the fucking laugh i mean how many right. times did that happen to you and then you're like right. oh shit i gotta really like power this thing up or maybe just cut off some wheat from the shaft yeah but if you have a it. but if it's but if you're in the in the before times <laughs> well you've probably got another set later on in the night where you can go exactly try. You got another set coming tomorrow where you can go try. The minimum you got maybe two days before another time. Let me try this shit on. Let me try this shit again and see if it works. Now you, yeah. got, you got none of that. You're doing a Zoom, a Zoom show, really? That's where yeah. you're going to figure it out on a Zoom show? Yeah, no. I hate really? it. I hate it almost as much as I hate Zoom holiday get togethers now. Oh my like, God. Oh, like, let's do this. I'm like, this sucks. This Stop yeah. pretending this yeah. is good. 
That's mm-hmm. why I don't really write like now, you know, if I, I might write one, one liner and if I can make myself honestly laugh out loud, I'll put it in my set, like for this Sunday show, which everyone should come to. But, yeah. you know, <laughs> otherwise it's a waste. Yeah. yeah and also, if, if you're not going to get on again for another month, that that one line might be outdated anyway. Exactly. By the time you polish it up, you know, are you getting on? Are you doing a show inside of an establishment? You had a little bit of a scare, right? Uh, slight scare. Basically yeah. what had happened is that I was at cellar door. Old Mike B was on this show too. And he had the same thing happen to him. And a girl that tested positive the next day hit us up on DM and was like, Oh, I got positive. So I have to let everybody know or not the next day, eight days later. So it was the following Monday. Mm-hmm. And I had to stand in line for two hours at a firehouse in DC to like you know, get a swab and then wait for the email. So I had to cancel my shows with Rachel Feinstein that weekend. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, rules are rules. You know, I'm not fucking around with this thing. Yeah. Yeah. And- well, I mean, that's good. Yeah. It's good, that you, it's good you decided to do it. It's good that she contact traced with you. Yeah. It's good have just been like, fuck that. Have you, have you heard from her? Did she, did she, uh yeah we messaged i said you know i posted my results so i was like hey i hope you saw that and she was like oh yeah i'm so happy you know that's cool she seems to be doing fine she's Mm -hmm. still posting all the time so if it's not from a ventilator i can assume she's doing just fine right right and there's so many there's so many it's like it's it's hard trusting people you know what i mean Yeah. yeah like you can trust you and by you, I mean yourself. Yeah. And I'm like, and who the fuck else do I trust? Because yeah. you don't know what other shows they've been doing. You see people start to get lackadaisical. Like I was reading a thing the other day about, somebody was talking about, you know, oh, I have a, I have a bubble of people. That's what everybody says. Well, I just have a certain bubble of people I talk to. I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't live in a sterile environment. No, you don't. <laughs> no, no, you don't. You're trusting, everybody's kind of, you're kind of trusting people that you really don't know, but you know, you know what I mean? No, you don't. It's like the old saying, if you want to keep a secret, keep it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. You know, and then it's it's like that show we did in Arlington, you know, that shit was on my mind. Like, uh, you know, the whole time we were there, I was like, hey, back up, back yeah. up. You know, <laughs> and people and people wore masks. <laughs> you know, everybody had masks on. You know, even now, like back it up. Back up! You're getting too close. Back yeah. up! You know. Oh, I don't like the way this mask fits. Well, you need to get away from me then. Yeah. <laughs> How come your mask doesn't doesn't fit you now? You know. You know, I was in the grocery store a couple of days ago, and I I helped an old lady get a get some juice off a top top shelf or something. She couldn't reach it, and uh, her fucking mask kept coming off her nose. I was like, she just kicked her in her chest. Yeah, when I went to the Whole Foods the other day, they're checking people like with a counter, you know, and there's a guy at the front door with the ticker and he's got a sign next to him that says like, wear your mask like this, not like that. And he's wearing it like that. I was like, yeah, yeah, I tell you, I'm telling you, dude, I see people now. I'm like, you're just an asshole. At this stage of the game, you're still doing that. You're just an asshole. That's all yeah. you are is an asshole. <laughs> this I could see maybe a, a couple of weeks in, but at this stage of the game, 
you know, you're just being an asshole. This is defiant asshole. Well, you've had months to figure it out. Early and early on, like you had to have an ill-fitting mask because that's the only mask there at the store where you were looking for yeah. masks. Or now, yeah. you, like, there's so many options. You can find one that fits you perfect. It's super comfortable. Doesn't cost Has that much. Has your favorite band on it? Oh, what the? Yeah, yeah exactly. By, by now, by now, don't we all have like five masks in rotation by now? I mean, yeah. Like, three in the car like one in the house like a like a dress mask that you that you a black tie wear. mask so this is my dress mask right here this, this is my good mask <laughs> you know but you have like a bunch of shit ton of masks and one of them's got a saying on it <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean and i got, got three that masks. i rotate i got a few that i don't really wear because they don't fit that well i have three that are like the main ones <laughs> and you know there's always one or two in the car sometimes yeah. all three just just because you know it's, it's easy right right yeah. So if I see you with your mask in on your nose, you should get kicked in the chest because <laughs> you're just being fucking defiant. That's your yeah. fucking problem. At this point, you're just being fucking defiant. <laughs> you know, we're yeah. gonna be wearing masks too. That shit ain't stopping no time. And then the mask. To me, to me, I'm like, that's fine. Right. That's, that's fine. It is what yeah. it is. Until I, I see the last by looking at your eyes, I know what it is. <laughs> Until I see the last Florida man tweet about COVID, I'm wearing that mask. Right, that. right. That's why I thought Kevin Hart's special was um, the aesthetics of it, the whole audience and masks. I thought that was really doing it in his house with a masked up audience. You know, I thought that's pretty, that's pretty sharp to do it like that. Mm -hmm. Sure. You know, or Chappelle early. Mm -hmm. He did this when he did his George Floyd set. Mm-hmm. And everybody was, and they were outside. Yeah. Know, yeah. Because it was warmer. Yeah. All that stuff. I think they're doing something for Netflix from that whole summer. Which is always oh, going to okay. be the way to do it, by the way. Outside. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you can be, which we can't be now because it's cold. So that kills us. So I don't know what Congress are going to do now because winter don't fuck around up here. No. <laughs> oh, well, I, Colin Quinn had this. Uh, special on HBO Max that was a drive-in thing and it was like him yeah. Rachel Feinstein Krista Stefano uh, I think Keith Robinson did it I don't remember but there was there was a line he had a lineup of comics and they did the drive-in show and the best part of it they were all rusty because mm -hmm. it was like they're all of their first show back and the best part of it was they all hung out you know backstage it was still outside and I think it was Sam Jay Sam Jay was like, what if all of comedy just moves south? Like, New York won't be the shit anymore. <laughs> it's going to be something. It's going to be like Florida. Right. Just because you can perform outside there. Yeah, it'll be like Albuquerque, New Mexico. Yeah. You have to go like really south, south. Like, yeah. even Texas is like San Antonio. You can do no show outside in the wintertime. It gets fucking cold. New Orleans. And, well, and, and Texas is like there. dry heat. Right? So it's cold at night. Yeah, that sun goes down. It's cold, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Tropic of comedy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So where can we where can we go? Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> Arizona California. gets cold at night too. Arizona. Yeah. 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 It's a desert. desert. Yeah, it's a desert. No, I'm telling you, no, I think it's gonna be Miami is gonna well, be we have to get used to doing daytime shows. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I guess Miami, anywhere with like a swamp would yeah. be, you know. <laughs> pretty warm Florida at night keys. well yeah. these he's built over a swamp but don't matter yeah, it's too far north yeah <laughs> today would say today's proof it's not yeah yeah 
But Petey, how do you feel about the draft house? You know, I was sad when I heard the news. I can't say I was surprised just because I know a few things about money. And I will say, though, the more I thought about it, see, I'm kind of at a point in my life now. I'm 39. I've been sober like almost 15 years. I spent so much of my 20s and late teens running around like a drunk that when birthdays happen, I you know, get my pleasure out of looking back on the previous year and seeing like what I've accomplished. And as I looked at some of the old pictures and I thought about the friends I gained, the relationships, the, you know, comedic accomplishments, even just doing something like comedy this long, I had to say I was very pleased with myself I just was like I can keep moving on after this and like Andy says you know there's a certain kind of like comedic muscle memory that will kick in again it'll be rusty but you know I know what to focus my time on what to move away from and we'll just keep coming back and I'm curious to see like how many other people will come back I I have a pretty good idea of the veterans I think most of them have been doing this to such an amount of time where they continue doing it. They just can't stop. But I'm looking at the younger guys and I'm saying, I wonder how many of them really want to stick with it after something like this. I'll be impressed no matter who they are, if they want to come back to it, because none of us know what the fuck's going on. And it's kind of exciting and it's kind of scary too, but every day is an impromptu kind of adventure. So I mean, Hey, so long as we have Arlington in, in this, you know, vessel, keeps going because hey when the arlington draft house ended you guys built it up the right way and the proof is that a bunch of it transferred over to dc there's gonna be some transfer so we ain't going nowhere it'll be good yeah yeah it'll just look different yeah i hope so you can't be you can't be afraid of change if you particularly if you're in show business you better not be afraid of change i think what what the coronavirus, the coronavirus, I think what it taught everybody is um, this shit about putting your eggs into one basket. You better stop that shit and you better learn how to diversify, diversify your bonds, yep. <laughs> and pro- mm-hmm. protect your neck, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you better learn how to, you better learn how to diversify out and figure out other avenues. So and I mean, we we went through the same bullshit. Like, oh, I'm going to write a screenplay. No, you're not. <laughs> I'm going to write that. I'm going to write this script. You're not. But you should work on learning the skills to do that. Work on, you should start thinking about the skills to do that, to do those other things. Because if this should be taken away, what's the other thing you're going to do in this game? You know, what what's the other thing? You got another thing? lined up i think i think it taught us that because for so many it's and even now you see and like you see these people who are you just have to go do these do these shows i'm like let me get this straight you're going into a bar a hookah bar where people are blowing smoke into the air for what for what to do what oh i just gotta get up why (laughs) why vanity because this is all you got Okay, and you didn't think about this, the other. You're not even even at now. You're still not even considering these other things. I think I got to figure out some other things. What are these other things that I can be doing? Well, I think also um, comics might start realizing, not a lot maybe, but I think some percentage that they didn't miss it that much. 
you kind of get into the rat race of it and you're like i gotta get up every night and everyone else is getting up every night and that person has four new minutes and i don't have any new minutes the last two months and mm-hmm. i gotta i gotta and then you get out of it you're like oh i you know i kind of like this other thing i got into i got some new interest i kind of like having my evenings free or right? i'm mm-hmm. kind of i'm more content i'm happier if i'm you know not doing it and so but it's hard to bring yourself to admit that and pull back because you put all your eggs in that basket your your your, your whole identity for several yeah, years is this saying, so you got to figure so, out figure but out it might not even be thing. showbiz it might just be something else right. you might just be like I got a job I love and I, I want to get up early so I can go in early because I love it so much. I'm not going to be out till 1 a.m. doing comedy anymore. So, but it's hard to bring yourself to admit that. And so there, I think there might be some comics who will say, you know what? I'm mentally happier. I'm more content because I wasn't doing comedy in 2020. And maybe I'm a better person because of it. And, you know, we were talking to um, me and Dom did an interview with Winston Hodges last night for mind of dom just about winston's special about his you know all about his dad dying and all that mm-hmm. and he mentioned that he got into therapy right before his dad died the therapy was not about his dad being sick the therapy was about how his relationships always failed you know because <laughs> somehow like comedy always was the thing he chose and uh he you know he figured it out he dealt with it but you know there are people who comedy has been detrimental to parts of their lives and so that they might say you know i don't I don't know if I want to stick with this. Maybe I'll take another year off. Maybe I'll figure something else out, pursue something else. Maybe we'll see some familiar faces in 2022 reemerging on the scene that we hadn't seen in two years. So I don't know, but it's, it's, it's going to be interesting because I think there are going to be some people who maybe don't come back and it's going to be okay. It's not going to be like a tragic loss. They'll be, they'll be content with that, you know? Mm -hmm. Sure. You, you, You hope you, you, you hope that people have, you know that that you've spent this time on opening your mind, I guess, <laughs> thinking, thinking more, being more um, reflecting. You spent this time, at least, in a little bit of reflection. Right. On I had already reached the point. I think I've talked about this with each of you. I don't know if I have Elena. Maybe not so much as that. I reached a point where I just I don't like I don't like stand up anymore. Mm-hmm. But it's not that I don't like. I like I like the being on the stage, creating the material, and performing for the crowd. I, I love that part of it, and that that even now still hasn't gone away. Think about that. I love I love watching good stand up comics. I uh, I don't like watching bad stand up comics the way I used to. <laughs> yeah, that goes away. Yeah, <laughs> but I like watching I like watching good stand up comics. I like analyzing jokes. I like I like tagging good comics when I see when I see them do a joke. Oh, that's such a good joke. I still love all that. I still have the the, the desire to be on the stage hasn't gone away. The creating the material that hasn't gone away. But the business of stand up, the the dealing with dealing with everything that goes along with that, I was at the point where I just I loathe that shit. I just loathe all that. So that has been gone. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. that has been like that's that's like a uh, a huge weight, and I think some of that probably goes into some of the experiences I kind of had leading up, as we talked about earlier in that last year leading up. Some of those experiences kind of go into that, where I was like, I don't, 
I don't like this. I don't like you. I don't like any of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and fuck I you. you fuck and, you. And I hope you don't like me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I hope to God you don't like me. And I don't like you. You know what I mean? But that went for just all of the the game of comedy. Some people are really good at that part. They're really good at the game of comedy. But they're not good at the other part, the, the performing part. No. I'm good <laughs> at that part. I don't have, right. I'm good at that part. But they're good <laughs> you know enough I mean? at that part. But yeah, they're right. so good at the business. Yeah, but they're yeah. really good. Yeah, you would know more about that from because because that's exactly how show business is. Yes. You know? Some people are just are just good enough at both. Andy and I, as a booker, we tell people this all the time. If you're if you're just funny, just this is your baseline. Your baseline is funny, and you're not a problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you're funny, and you're not a dick. And you're not, you don't cause trouble and you, you're going to work. Yeah. Show up <laughs> on time. Don't blow the light. You're going right. to work, you know? So if you're exponentially funny and you're a good person, oh, that's, that's golden, you know? But if you're exponentially funny, you get to be a dick in this game. And I, I, that I don't like anymore. And then you got people who ain't funny and you're a dick and you're a dick and you're, a dick. no, <laughs> no. <laughs> And there's a lot of them floating around. <laughs> there's a lot of them floating around. And yeah. you and you gotta deal and you gotta deal with them, you know. So I had gotten to the point where I just like it's just the being on stage, the creating the material, the being on stage. But then hang on and talk to anybody other than the circle of people I talk to. Mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-mm. Deal with have to call up and, and deal with a club owner and talk to a club owner and, and try to get work. Mm-mm. Well, the thing is, I think uh, with comedy too, though, losing things can be very liberating. Right. Because it's like, oh, I don't give a shit. I don't even care if they laugh tonight. I'm just going to say these things, which actually makes them laugh harder usually. Yeah. Yeah. Usually. But not caring about years before you get to that point. But that's a it's a big help. (laughs) Yeah, but not caring about finessing a club or or glad handing a booker or, you know, doing all those semi phony things uh, can liberate you. It, it might hurt how, how often you get booked by those bookers, mm-hmm. but on yeah. stage, you really can. If you're, if your goal is growth as a comic, if your goal is just, uh, you know, an artistic path that can help. If your goal is commerce, then that's going to, you know, maybe hurt you unless you can figure out some people can figure both out, but the, the whole idea of like, I don't, I'm losing this part of my comedic identity. You have to look at it as a positive and say, oh, okay, I don't give a fuck about that. And that actually makes me happier mm-hmm. and makes me more likely to explore things because I'm not worried about what if the booker's watching and this new thing isn't going to work and the booker's going to look at me and they're going to not book me and I got to make sure I, I, you know, do this and that, throw that out the window. You're going to grow as an artist. Mm-hmm. Now, you might be an independent artist that, only a few thousand people know about, but what's your goal? Boutique, if your goal is act, man. if You're your goal is your name in lights, right. then you have you have to take a different path, obviously. Yeah. But you know, that's uh everyone's gonna be trying to figure that out now going forward. Like, yeah. how do I brand myself, market myself, get attention for mm-hmm. myself? And there are gonna be some very clever, probably ideas and probably a lot of desperate and insecure ones <laughs> because it's comics. But and, and we shall see there. I think you know, there, there's a whole model of comedy club that doesn't exist anymore. Not much, anyway, which is the hotel lounge. That's where a lot of, like, B rooms were. A lot of, like, road rooms were in a 
Wiseacres, the old Wiseacres days in uh, Tyson's Corner, was in a hotel lounge. There's no overhead because the hotel owns the lounge. <coughs> you can just book a comedy show. You don't have to worry about. It's kind of like what you know Underground has a big hunt or what Comedy Loft has. Like they already employ the bartender. They they have food and beverage people. You just do the shows, as opposed to what the Draft House has, which was like you got to pay the rent, you got to handle food and beverage, you got to order all the stuff, you got to handle the staff, you got to do everything. And it's it's more cost effective to find a way where you can have someone else do that. You can just pay them a little money every every week when let they let you use their room. Of course, they can kick you out whenever, but it might be like that. A bunch of little independent spots that people put up that aren't like bringing in big names every week, but just little independently run, low overhead comedy shows. The whole people are going to find clever ways to get stage time, uh, but it just depends on what your goals are. And you know, I, I think it's going to be kind of a it's going to be like the Indianapolis 500 when the caution flag turns green and everyone's like, Oh, we got to go. And everyone's just like flooring it. There's going to be a little bit of that, like a mm-hmm. bunch of people desperately saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. And mm-hmm. I'm taking over the scene, you know, all that kind of stuff. I- I'm content to let the dust settle a little bit on that mm-hmm. and then just find my place within that. Well, that's because you've, you've reached the, the reflective, the reflective moment. I'm fine with, that was the thing about, Draft us in Arlington. We we built we built our place. Again, right. was that the little pig whose house was built out of brick? We built our place. We built it, and it was strong. It was foundation, and it a lot of a lot of heat came out of there. A lot of heat came out of that, came out of that room. We were known, we were known around this country. That's again not being hyperbolic. We were known around this country as go to Arlington on a Saturday night. If you're in Arlington on a Saturday night, stop at that room, find the guys. They will put you on and right. you will have a good time, you know, amongst, amongst hitter com- communities we were known as that, you know, mm-hmm. and then for that to, for that to leave, I mean, that's just the way it is. And we had a sense of that again, building in DC. We did, of course we did, but again, it just became much more of a business, which may be why maybe the business side of it kind of, maybe, maybe that's why I'm turned off to that now. Mm-hmm. I, that's not coming back for me, by the way. I'll, I'll never. What I would need is I definitely need an agent to do that for me. <laughs> right. I don't have to do it. Preferably a woman, <laughs> so I don't have to. I don't have to do that. You know. You know, a nice loyal pit bull of a woman who will <laughs> not get ran over. <laughs> You know what I mean? That's I see you, lady. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about, but that's the dream. And unfortunately, yeah. what I've learned about agents is they show up right when you don't need them. Right. I've had yeah. for a lot of agents in my time, right. and I was represented by the best manager in Latin America. And you know when he got me jobs when I called him and I was like, "Hey, I hear this is auditioning." Right. Oh, oh shit! You're you're right. Oh yeah. Uh. Maybe like oh yeah 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 I know who's doing that. Go ahead. Like. Yeah. right yeah but yeah. you know as soon as everybody's asking for you like they're right there to negotiate the deal and get their 10 percent. absolutely right. absolutely well and I, that's I another have a lot of feelings i have a lot of feelings <laughs> in patients. i probably need to go to therapy like winston and work out. <laughs> that's another facet of comedy that where people have um all the agents and managers have also not been making money for the last Ooh. nearly a year so they're all gonna have to figure out a way to get creative and compete and you know, the, just you see the ripple effect of all of this, of who gets mm-hmm. affected. And they're not all evil people or nefarious people. There are a lot of good agents and managers who look out for their clients, et cetera. Uh, and there are a lot who exploit the hell out of people. And yeah. 
Yep. I think the exploit the the exploiters are going to be front and center when comedy returns because they're right. going to try to be making up for their lost income. And, I mean, look at Frankie. Frankie had just started having really good things happening and yeah. just signed with it, and boom. <laughs> yeah. Boom. Yeah. Luckily, yeah. she has some loyal people who haven't forgotten her because I'm sure there are people who've gotten forgotten. What if you passed at the comedy cellar in late February? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh and they haven't done a show since, and you're like, oh fuck, that was my thing. That was like the pinnacle moment and now right they don't remember my name you know so there's all i'm sure there are tragic stories all over comedy like that yeah you know and and frankie has seems like some loyal people mm-hmm. in her corner who have her best interests but people are gonna get exploited people are gonna get fucked over um that's why i'm just like you know what i'm gonna hang back i can show up and just do my set go home <laughs> you know i don't need to need to glad hand or anything like that yeah yeah, man, I think about it something like, how old am I going to be? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know? And then, oh, and then the worst, I think the worst part of this is watching people doing shows like we're not in the middle of a pandemic. That shit will okay. never not baffle me. <laughs> yeah. Like, so let me get this straight. All y'all along, going to be on that stage together. That's what we're doing. Okay. Yeah, why are you taking pictures? Yeah. Are right. you? Why is there proof of this? Yeah, y'all in this little, yeah, in this little like, last room. This is the kind of thing you don't want to tell anybody. Like, what? y'all in this little last room on stage with no mask on. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right. All right. Okay. Y'all cr- crowding in this little basement bar to do an open mic. Okay. I was joking with somebody about that. Like, uh, it's going to be really awkward when all these comics that we've seen—not—it's not a ton of them, but the ones that we've seen continuously doing shows during all this it's gonna be really awkward when comedy resumes and they haven't gotten any better at comedy <laughs> it's yeah. like what was all that for <laughs> you know right because some of them just through the odds will not have improved as comics yet yeah. they've taken all that risk and put other people at risk and it's like well yeah what why why'd you do all that you know yeah ego 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 is vanity yeah and and I don't know. It's that thing where you were saying, like your whole identity is wrapped around, wrapped around this thing. I don't think Andy, Andy, I don't think you and I allowed our whole identity to be wrapped around um, the 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 draft house. I don't, I don't. It's kind of inevitable on some level. People just see you as the draft house guy. You get associated with it, but I don't think we. You can begin to allow that for yourself, but I don't think we. Maybe it's just because we're older. Well, just you know, think of it like this. People still tag Tim on these draft house posts. Right. Because they right. see it as me, you, and Tim, even though Tim yeah, was Tim doesn't know anything not it. really Mm-mm. part of it the way we were part of it. Even at the old Arlington, the, the green room, it was kind of like, hey, shout out to Tim, Randolph, and Andy. It's like, well, I mean, it's uh, actually, it's <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Tim can get a spot whenever he wants, and we do a podcast with him where he yeah. did at the time. But it's but the you know, work aspect is Randy and Andy. Show. So people, I think people did associate that place and certain things about the scene with us you know some good some bad probably but they only book their friends <laughs> you know that kind of thing yeah is that what we do <laughs> luckily all my friends are funny right <laughs> true ain't that weird how that works out luckily for me yeah. <laughs> all my friends are funny yeah it's really easy to keep funny people around you it's not hard why would you not, why would i want to have unfunny people around me by the way that shit drains you oh um, not even so much unfunny just unfunny uncreative unartistic what do i need you around me for you're just yeah. bringing everything down <laughs> you know? but they yeah, have the just, weed 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't smoke like that. <laughs> Me, I don't smoke at all. Yeah, oh. that comedy lesson I learned: just don't. You're not funny. No thanks. So no. Yeah. Right. There's no reason no, no to hang around you. Yeah. I've broken that rule too many times. It got bit in the ass. <laughs> I should have stuck to that rule. I'm like, right. you're not artistic at all. There's nothing. It's fraudulent artists, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and now you, now you're in this circle, and you're bringing this good conversation to a halt. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's having a good time, and they hear you come. Yeah. <laughs> now we all got to stare at your ass, like the fuck, right. man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can't even imagine. That's that. I miss that. Is hanging. Is being able to. Now we have a little bit of it with our podcast, where we're still able to have artistic conversations with people, but just being able to stand and talk with somebody on a on a Saturday night you know, about comedy or about whatever. Yeah, I miss that. Yeah. yeah. I miss that a great deal. I miss being able to hug people. I miss that. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Sure. Uh, and I miss watching comedy live. Good comedy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Watching people, or even if it's people that I'm, I'm doing air quotes, I'm above but I'm watching them with more of a studious eye. I miss that. People that I've that I'm invested in, Elena. People that I'm invested in, watch Petey, that I'm watching with a studious eye, you know, I miss doing that. So I miss those things live. I'm not doing it on a Zoom show. That's not happening. Hey, watch my Zoom show. You don't want that. Mm-mm. To There's me, too many they don't distractions. Even count. The whole internet is in front of you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Or just the feeling of a packed room. Like, that feels so badass now. Yeah. yeah. Like, just a bunch yeah. of people, like, next to each other that don't necessarily know each other. No masks. Like, that feeling of a packed room. Like, when are we going to get that back? Yeah. Not even just in time. comedy and life. I was thinking yeah. back, reminiscent on something else earlier today. I forget what exactly, but it involved, like, close human contact. And I, and I kind of shuddered at the thought of getting within six feet of somebody. Like, what the fuck were we thinking? And I was like, oh, wait a minute. That was 2013. Relax, you know? Yeah. yeah. I was thinking about, like, I mean, late December is normally yearly. Every year the Roots play D.C., and I go every year. This is the yeah. time I'd be like, oh, what, what, that's coming up like next week, you know? And, you know, Rage Against the Machine was, I had tickets to them in August. I had Pearl Jam tickets in March and, um, you know, stuff like that, like these large gatherings. It seems so distant now, like to even yeah. fathom that, even though every year that's, you know, several times a year it would be something like that. Yeah. And right now, this time, like, me and Petey went to see The Roots yep. late December. Kennedy Center. And that's like the last Petey got to dap up Black Thought. I should have taken a picture while you were dapping him up. Yeah. Um, that's the last time I've been to a concert and I'm like it seems like a blur now. Like a year has gone by and there's been nothing like that. It's been not even like a a crowded restaurant, you know, no. since since March. You know? Nothing right. like that. So, you know, it'll be uh, hopefully we won't, we won't have to do too many more of these post-mortems on a comedy club or Something yeah. dying. Well, I, in think, the scene I think or more are coming. I think. I think, I think more, so. Uh, yeah, I think there's. I think more are coming unless unless our economy can be stabilized. But I don't know what the new what the new administration can even do as far as stabilizing. It'll be too late. Like if if the if it's things could have be been done a few months earlier, the draft house would still be here in D.C. You well, know, like it could have been. Yeah, like <laughs> it'll be too late for some been. places, no matter what. 
you know, and some elements of comedy or, or entertainment will be affected no matter what. So hopefully not too many, because I feel like it's um, a lot of places just hanging on by a thread right now. They have to be. Right. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. How can they not? I mean, they haven't had shows in 10 months. Like yeah. what business can go on without having done business? And no stimulus money or, you know. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen anything like this, but it's even terrible to say this out loud, but I've just been thinking every day, looking at like the death toll numbers that I should start taking action for like over under for like January 1st, like what it's going to be. I think. It'll oh, be you like can project three- it. It's, it. You can project it. It's, it's, it's 3000 a day. A day. Okay. I think so it's going to be 350,000. Use 3000 and then just start doing yeah, the math. 15 days. Yeah, just start doing the math, you know. And then at some point, it'll come back down to 2,000. Right. And then down to 1,800. That's down. You know, there will be a, oh, we're numbers looking good. Only 2,100 people died today, you know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Turning the corner. Many corners have been turned. Yeah, only. (laughs) Only, you know. And that's, we even talked about the long haulers, you know, who, yeah, right. They're still being impacted by it. Is your dad being impacted? I oh no, he doesn't. He has. He's been fine so far. Okay. So my dad. My dad got COVID. He didn't oh, know God. he got it in Spain. It was really bad in Spain. He got it in Spain in March and broke out in a head to toe rash. Nothing in the throat. Nothing. Nothing like that. And then he got an antibody test. Like five months later and had all these antibodies and turns out it was COVID yeah. and then did some contact tracing well, well, and found out here, sit down. we need some of your plasma. <laughs> yeah. And then talked to a bunch of people and everyone around him at that time also got COVID, but didn't want to say anything. And like all that. Yeah. Did they all get rashes or was that just him? That was just him, but apparently they can, you can get, I have heard a lot of my friends in LA have and had had COVID in the past like month. Yeah. And the rash thing happens. A lot of times it's on your feet. My dad, it was like, but my dad's 71. My dad, it was from his head to his toe. He looked like a lobster. And he yeah. just thought it was an allergic reaction to something. Yeah, I mean, that's what you assume. He hasn't had any long-term yeah. effects at all. Thank God. Up until that's now. good. So much. Thank God. Yeah. Well, he's immune now. He can go do comedy. Well, well yeah. yeah he's- <laughs> you know, he can go do comedy. He can go be president. Yeah. <laughs> you know? He can go be a president. You know. Does he, he ever try to? Is he what? Huh? Has he ever tried hookah? <laughs> For some reason, I don't think a 71-year-old Spanish man hookah, I don't see it. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> Sitting outside like the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> sucking on a hookah. Hookah feels with with a, bur- a cigar. With a beret yeah. on. Hookah feels, feels weird. For an yeah, old Spanish with a beret on, I can see that. <laughs> you know? The most interesting man in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing can kill me. Yeah, you wore a lobster beret. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I don't know what the future holds. I don't, that's the thing is that none of us knows what the future holds. That's probably the worst part of all of us. Like we have no idea. And also now you know shit can be taken away from you quickly. Right. Yeah. Oh, quickly can also yeah. be taken away slowly. So. Mm. Yeah. Point is, it can be taken away. Yeah, so, or yeah. you know, and you might not realize it at the time. Like, don't take stuff for granted. I mean, I can right. definitely say, like, when this started, when everything shut down in the beginning, I was kind of like, 
because right. I went back to comedy and life way too fast after having a baby. And then after a couple months of lockdown, it was like, no. Yeah. I only yeah. wanted like three well, weeks of this. <laughs> right. Right. I was like, oh, two, three weeks. I thought that's what I thought it was going to be. Like, you know, I was one of those people. I'm not going to lie that in the beginning, I was like a month max. Perfect. That's that was the whole point. It was like, it's like, let's not become like Italy. Yeah. Let's get ahead of it. So yeah. we don't become like Italy. And then now we're like, I wish we were like Italy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. If only we were just like Italy. Yeah. Arch singing climax. I was like, I got a meeting in the living room. <laughs> back next June. <laughs> Here we are, December. What the fuck? Well, in that leadership. Yep. Yeah. That's all. In that leadership. Other countries have been in the lockdowns, back out of lockdowns, back into lockdowns, and then back out of lockdowns. <laughs> right. Australia's fucking, they're having parties. I just nonstop. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's crazy. Fucking outside doing it, uh, New Zealand, Australia, all them, all them little places where I can. And none of them are allowing cold. Americans. We're all like pressed up against the window looking. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Fuck out of here. Yeah. Singapore, death tolls low. That cane hit different. You know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I reached out. I reached out to a producer I know because I was trying to do whatever I can. And I was like, hey, are you shooting anything? She's Korean. I was like, are you shooting anything in the U.S.? I'll be an extra. I don't care. She was yeah. like, nope, only in Korea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, you can't they, come to Korea. Yeah, yep. they took control of it early. You yep. know, they took control of it early. Yeah. And they're shooting movies now. <laughs> yeah. Well, folks, I think we're getting to the closure of this beautiful episode, but we will be back next week. We've got a special secret guest for you. Yep. Anything you want to plug, Elena, before this? Nope. Everything I'm doing is getting canceled. So just the only thing I'm going to plug, actually, this is going to come out. Our show is going to come out before this episode. So no, nothing I want to plug. Okay. Fellas. Uh, three guys on podcast, the word okay. three, not the number okay. three guys on.com. Um, check us out. We have a Patreon search three guys on. We're there every week. We do live zoom shows on Saturdays. For the patrons, it's cheap. Patronage is cheap for us, um, three bucks. So, yeah, check us out there uh, if you want. We don't have. I don't have any shows to plug. Uh, there's Elena, nothing on the calendar. Coming in this weekend? Did hmm? we have that? Was that a thing? Did we have you coming in Saturday? Uh, you asked you me to come in a, last Saturday, and I couldn't. But I can't do. Saturday? I can't do yeah, this right? Saturday. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll let you know the time. We got a. I got a bed coming Saturday, so I need to find out what time that's supposed to be. Okay, let me know. Cool. All right. All right. Thank, right. Thank you all. Follow Have us out in DC. Yep. And me at Elena Blondita, PD, give them your Steelborn DC, Instagram, PD Steel, Facebook. Yep. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry, Merry. Merry New Year. <laughs>